Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. One who had mercy on him. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. (laughs) You guys said that it gets hot in the summer, and I now believe you. So, good job. In Chicago, you can't help but have neighbors. Back in Cadillac, I had neighbors, but we had lots of space. In between our neighbors, I got to sort of, we escape, if you will, lots of green lawn, uh, but here in the city, they're right there. Uh, oddly enough, though, it's strange that in the city where everybody's right there, I feel like there's a lot less sort of like engaging one another than in small towns. Isn't that funny? Like people are crowded, but they're staring straight ahead and uh, don't say hi. Uh, and you go to the small towns where there's tons of space and people go out of their way to say hi. But it's probably because we're so tired of seeing so many people. Uh, I might be switching to another mic here to see how that goes. One moment. Yep, I'm going to do it. A second here. All right, how's that? There we go. Is it on? How, can you hear me? It's on a little bit. Is that good? All right. <laughs> So do you have any crazy neighbor stories? I bet you do. Uh, You know, I was just reading about someone. A couple days this came out. This lady was saying, talking about her neighbor. And her neighbor um, had this sign that said, Dead End. It had a scary face on it. And it was on the the front of his house. And lived right next to her and her little girl. And so she went and told... Uh, him, you know, man, that sign is really scary, you know, can you take it down? And maybe she said this poorly, you know, but instead of taking it down, he put another sign up that said something even more scary, right? And then she would go and tell him, could you please take those down? And she would call 311, this is in Brooklyn, uh, New York. And every time that she would complain, guess what? He put another sign up, it's more scary than the first. And now in the uh, newspaper had a, a picture of uh, the whole fence and it had all these signs on and had some crazy looking zombie saying keep out not a very good neighbor right maybe you've got anybody got some crazy neighbor stories or maybe you're the crazy neighbor I don't know and on the other hand there's some wonderful good neighbor stories Um, I had (laughs) the neighbor just moved into us uh, the last place that we lived and actually he was an alcoholic lived with his dad and took care of him. And yet this guy would always be over trying to help. He'd see us doing something. He'd bring something over, a tool or, I don't know, or moving, uh, blowing, uh, uh, raking up leaves. And he would come over with his his uh, blower there to blow those. Always there, always kind, never seeming having an alternative motive. Do you have neighbors like that? Jesus talks about neighbors today. He's uh, 
teaching the people. And uh, in Luke chapter 10, this guy comes up and they call him a lawyer. In the New Testament, you'll see these guys are called lawyers or experts in the law. And what that means is much like today. I think you should exactly think about today's lawyer with back then. But back then, instead of the Constitution and, and previous cases that you are judging or working on or knowing, uh, you had the Torah, the Old Testament. You had the words of Moses. And the job of the experts in the law or the lawyer is to apply it to today's life. So it's very similar to today's lawyer, right? You would go to these guys and they would tell you if what they are doing is right or wrong. And so this lawyer, Luke says, came up to Jesus, but he wanted to test Jesus. He's probably a Pharisee. He's probably one of the ruling experts in scripture. They weren't so happy with Jesus and they're looking for ways to see where he's wrong. They want him to trip up, to say something that will offend maybe the crowd and he'll lose his popularity. Does this sound maybe like today's political circus? It's the same thing. Nothing's changed. Have comfort. Things were just as bad back then as they are now. Okay? Does that make you feel better? So this guy comes up. He wants to trip up Jesus. And so he asks, he goes for the gusto here. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? You can't get a better question. That's the question, right? If you think about it, everything comes down to that, right? If you could have an answer to that, everything would be great. If you knew, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus say? You can read it if you want. You know the law. What does it say? Go ahead. You tell me. And uh, so what does the guy say? He, he summarizes it. He gives us the classic summary. If in any of my confirmation or new member classes, we'll always hit this. The law is summarized in this. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the whole Old Testament. That's what all the Ten Commandments come down to. Loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, there you go. Do that and you're going to live. What do you think about that? Does Jesus mean it? Yeah, he means it. You go do this and you're going to live forever. What's the problem? You're probably not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You're going to fail. You want to give it a shot, you are going to fail. So Jesus has no problem saying, go do this and you will live, knowing that this man might one day come back on his knees saying, there's got to be another way. But instead, instead, what does this lawyer do? See, he's a lawyer. Luke says, seeking to justify himself, he asks the question, who is my neighbor? See what he's doing? He knows that he hasn't technically done all that he can to love God and love his neighbor as yourself. But you see, he's a lawyer. So maybe there is a loophole. Maybe we can play with those words. Maybe we can find qualifications to get me out of my error. Sound common today? 
Sadly, it seems like this is the task of law today, it seems like. I know we have a number of lawyers here, by the way. Isn't this great? Seeking to justify himself. In other words, I haven't done all that, but I think I have good reasons why I haven't. If I can discount this person and that person and that person, if I can come up with reasons for why I did not love my neighbor, or if I can reduce who a neighbor is to an accomplishable task, then I can be just before God and live eternally. This is what human beings do. Seeking to justify himself. And that's what the Pharisees were great at. They said they were following the law, but they would move it around. They'd find loopholes. They would try to determine the meaning of the word is. If you remember the 90s in a particular president, right? What is that mean? But we all do this. Seeking to justify ourselves. We all have great reasons for God as to why we don't follow his law, don't we? Just like our kids are in the class. You ask a kid, why'd you do this? They got all kinds of reasons. First, you blame, right? You always blame. Second, you got some reason. Well, I was like, and eventually it comes down to this. And we all do this. Well, Lord, you, you put me in this situation. And so the guy asked, who's my neighbor, Jesus? Thinking he's going to trip Christ up. So Jesus does a parable. And he says, let me get out to the scripture here real quick. Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to not very good neighbors. That's not how you're a neighbor, right? When you strip, beat, and rob somebody, that's obviously a bad example of being a neighbor. They leave him half dead. A priest happened to be going down. Now, Jesus knows what he's doing. This is an expert in the law. This is a Jew among Jews. This is a leader of the Jewish people. He knows scripture. And Jesus, he's not a nice guy. How can I offend this guy is what Jesus is doing. Jesus actually, (laughs) you're lying to yourself if you don't understand that Christ, when he speaks, wants to offend you. Wants to kill your idols. Wants to knock you down. With good reason. And an ultimate beautiful goal. And so he looks at this young lawyer who wants to trip him up. And he says, a priest walks and he sees this guy. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why the priest might have done this to justify his action. Well, he's got blood on him. I can't take, take, uh, touch blood. Or I need to go farther, and I don't want to mess around with this person. Or I don't know who that guy is, so I'm just going to go. He had all kinds of reasons, I'm sure, this priest, to justify his lack of loving his neighbor. But he does it, and he's a priest. Next, he says, 
a Levite, someone studying to be a priest, someone in the priestly class, someone that people respected back then, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. These are the top vote-getters of who's righteous in Israel. And Jesus very purposely makes them look like jerks on purpose. They should know better. They thought they did, and they thought they were righteous. And Jesus makes them look terrible. And then he says this. A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Who's this guy? This is someone who does not know the full law of God, does not have all the books of the Old Testament. The Samaritans claimed to worship on a mountain that was uh, something they invented in their own heads. It was a false religion, was the Samaritan religion. And the people of Samaria were old, long time ago, enemy of the Jews. They were actually half-Jews. Uh, what, are the, what are the Harry Potter people called? Muddle, muddles? What's that called? Anybody, any nerds out there, right? Something like that, right? And yet, who's going to be the hero of this story? Not someone that should know better, but someone that shouldn't know at all. Jesus is really sticking it to this lawyer who thought he was righteous, right with God, deserving of eternal life. So a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. The Samaritan's a foreigner. The Samaritan is an enemy. The guy who's on the side of the road is a Jew, clearly, because he's on his travels. That's what they did. And so an enemy of this guy sees him, sees his enemy, and instead of going on the other side, he goes to him. He has pity on him. So he goes to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. He didn't just, here's five dollars, or let me get my cell phone out and I'll call for help because I got to get going. He stops, he crosses the path to him. He takes time and he himself bandages his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Which, by the way, sounds like a great, if I get hurt, is Julie out there? Please put wine. Give me some wine, I think, on my wounds, right? We should have that at hospitals. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, so this once enemy of this guy not only goes over, has pity, but he thoroughly helps. It's now the next day. And he takes out two silver coins and he gives them to the innkeeper and says, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus says to the smart, cocky lawyer, which of these, these, these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the guy has to say, he can't say Samaritan. Those words can't come out of his lips. Instead, he says, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, 
why don't you give that a shot? These words are still very painful to me. Jesus' description of what a good neighbor looks like. Is that you? Is that how you act? Toward people around you? Do you give people your best? I mean, this guy, he didn't just help out. He didn't just say hi. He gave this enemy of his, of his people, everything. Put him on his donkey. Gave him his first fruits, if you will. Gave him his best. Took care of him to the end. How quick are we when we love others, we give people our least, our leftovers. That's what we do. We do it in church. We do it in our neighborhood. If someone's in need, we'll give them what we don't need anymore oftentimes, don't we? And we call ourselves good neighbors. And we think we're fulfilling the law of God. Let alone Jesus shows us who is your neighbor. The real question is, who isn't your neighbor? I mean, if these enemies are neighbors in God's perspective, then everybody is your neighbor. And it doesn't mean that the Samaritan and the Jew, or the Samaritan was wrong in his religious background. No, he's not saying it's right or wrong. He's just saying, whoever it is that's near you, whoever it is is hurting, that is your neighbor. No matter who they are, no matter what they have done, whether they're a whether they belong to St. James or they uh, aspire to your worldview or not, it does not matter when it comes to loving your neighbor, your enemies even, in God's perspective, are your neighbor. And deserve your compassion and you're going all out to serve them and make their life better. Do you do this? In this city, where there's a lot of bad neighbors, and there's a lot of people on the side of the road, might not be beaten, or they actually literally are beaten and robbed and sitting on the side of the road, there's that, or do you walk on by? But just the people nearby, it doesn't mean they were poor or whatever it is, but just people in your life, in your neighborhood, who are struggling, who are hurting, do you turn around, do you turn away, do you try not to see, do you even pray for them? May we do this as St. James, may we be good neighbors both as a people in our daily lives, but as a church. I pray that St. James right here is a good neighbor to our community. When people think of St. James, they think of no matter who they are, no matter if they totally disagree with everything about Christianity or anything that's going on here, they know when I'm hurting, I know they're going to come and help me. And it's not because I'm going to promise to go to church. May we be like that, right? pray for that. I hope over time we can get more and more things going on here that are good neighborly things. The Lord forgive us or we're not good neighbors. But how about this? When you look at that parable. Who are you in that parable? I could say you're the priest. You're the Levite just passing the other way. Lord forgive us. Or we're the lawyer trying to justify ourselves. But how about this? 
you are the guy bleeding and hurting on the other side of the road. And that this Jesus, this parable of Jesus is about him. Because ultimately, no matter how much we fail at being good neighbors, this parable is about Jesus, who is the good neighbor. Because he is that alien, that foreigner, that one who was an enemy of humankind. Not because he wanted to be an enemy, but because we are enemies of him. And yet this God, this son of God, Jesus, came down across the other side of the road to humanity. He's been beating up one another broken down, busted, hurting, bleeding, left for dead because of our sins. And Christ came over in a manger, more on a cross. And just like the Samaritan, he gave everything to restore us, to save us, everything. Just like he told the innkeeper, whatever it costs, I will pay. What did it cost for your rescue, for your forgiveness, for your bandaging up of your sins? His life and Jesus happily paid it. What a good neighbor. And then he takes us and he puts us on his horse and he leads us to the end, which is the church. And he takes care of us here among friends. Among other fellow bandaged and beaten up former, <laughs> former thieves and robbers. And he heals us. And he won't stop. Just like he told the innkeeper. Whatever it costs, I will pay until he's completely healed. And that is what Christ is doing for you. Thank God. Despite our lack of being a neighbor. He is a good neighbor. And will love us and has loved us to the end. In Jesus' name, amen.